Okay, if you would, please turn to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, I'll be reading Ephesians 5 verses 31 through 33. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. The Word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, help us who are married, those of us who may one day be married, see. Help us grow. Help us be humbled. Help us love better. Help us respect better. Because marriage is at its core and foundation about Christ in the church. And so may we who profess you be a parable of the beauty of Christ's love for the church as husbands and the beauty of the church's loving submission as wives. To the glory of His holy, wonderful name. Amen. So this is week five in this large marriage passage. And so the question now on this fifth week, the way I want to put it and what I want to address is to say, okay, marriage. I find myself married or I may one day. So, when it comes to marital romance, keeping romance alive, when it comes to Staying in love. It's not exactly the same as staying married. But when it comes to staying in love for the long haul, how do you do it? See where I'm coming from. I'm pretty convinced that Paul answers that question at its core in verse 33. Let each of you husbands love your wife as you love yourself and let the wife see to it that she respects her husband. So for four weeks, right? I dealt with the text. I hope I've dealt faithfully with what is written, first and foremost. And we have seen, for those of us who are married, husbands, you have a duty to love your wife. Meaning to lay down your selfishness, to lay down your life for her good, for her eternal happiness, and for her happiness now, just as Jesus laid down His life for us. And that duty is not conditioned on whether she does her part of this text. This is between we who claim Christ as our Savior. It's between us and God on our obedience to the command love your wife sacrificially as Jesus loved the church. That's what we've seen. And we have seen that you wives, you have a duty. You have a duty to hope in God and to develop a gentle, non-warring, non-combative spirit in this, that you want to cultivate a disposition 
of joyful submission to the burden and responsibility of the leadership of your husband. Whether he obeys God in this text or not. That's where we've been, and that's why I have gone very slowly for four weeks through this text to make it clear that before God each of us stands as husband or as wife, and we have distinct obligations toward each other in the marital covenant. Okay. Good. Long enough pause. Okay, that's why I'm going a different direction this morning now. Now that you, I've said that, right? I'm there. Here's the assumption and the way I want to put it, so listen carefully. Assuming, it's a huge word here, assuming the good will of both the husband and the wife, that, that they really do want to be happily married. There is hope of growth. There's hope of experiencing more than just your duty. There's hope of having our marriages flourish in the dance between the female and the male. Between the wife and the husband and the husband and the wife. I mean, after all, how many of us married with the hope that we would just be miserable in marriage? Of course not. We want. We want, unless you're some obscure human I can't understand, you, you want to be happily married. And we know, though, history of the world, the history of the last year, the history of the last week, that marriage has the capacity to be one of the loneliest places on earth. And it also has the capacity to be one of the most fulfilling and happiest places on earth. And I'm convinced that Paul sums up the key to the pathway of long-term happy marriages right here in verse 33. Let each one of you married men love his wife as himself. And let the woman, the wife, see to it that she respects her husband. Now if you look at it closely, notice that Paul's solution for flourishing in marriages is not just, go ahead and love each other. Okay, got it. Y'all love each other. Do it. (laughs) It's not what he says. Yes, husband, you love her. As you love yourself. So as you take care of your body, the illustration that he gives. You, 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 don't, you got pain in your body. You don't hit it again. You want to love it. You want to get rid of it. You want it to have comfort. Body, I want you to be happy. He says, do, as you do that to yourself, you, you can relate to that. That's your wife. Treat her that way. That's what love means in this text. Now, cherish her. Protect her just as you do your body. And if you do, you may tap into the deepest resources of her, her instinct to come forth with admiration and respect for you, her provider, her protector, her head. And so Paul says to husbands, your verb, your imperative verb is the verb love her. But when he turns to the wife, 
He doesn't use the same verb. Doesn't use the word love. He uses a different verb. Phobetai. You hear the Greek word also. That's a verb form of phobos, where we get in English phobia, fear, like the fear of God. Or, or the, any kind of authority structure. You see this word happen in the New Testament, like governing authorities. You don't want no f- one around in fear. You won't have any fear of them if you're obedient, because you realize there is authority here. And God is your authority. And wives, husbands have a responsibility of authority. And so there's this fear, not like, oh my gosh, I'm just so afraid of him. It is that appropriate, wow, the respect of the responsibility of him over me. There to protect and care for me. And so so the, the translation in most... Uh, translations now respect is, is it's a good one but it's really a strong wow I, res, I res, respect that and what Paul is doing here in verse 33 he's putting in a nutshell what we have seen from verse 22 all the way down to verse 32 wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord because the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. That's how the male and the female fit together in marriage. That's how God designed it. And that's why Paul appealed to Genesis 2.24. And he quotes it right there in verse 31. Quote, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold firm, fast, to his wife. And those two very distinct human beings, one's a male, one's a female, shall become one flesh. So boiled down, what does that mean for us? Today, it's 2017. What does it mean for our marriages? Well, it means what he sums up in verse 33. So let each one of you husbands love his wife as himself. And let the wife see to it that she respects her husband. And I think those words are hugely important and key. If a wife says, yes, he loves me and I know it is to be loved. I love to be loved by my husband, by my man. And she just says, okay, I know what love means to me. And she projects that onto him. My greatest need is to be loved. He brings me such security. So it must be his too. And therefore I'll treat him like I would treat me. And she projects that upon him and neglects what actually is his greatest need from you. Which is not love. Well, he likes to be loved. But his greatest need is, does she respect me? And you miss that. Well, then it's like fanning the flame, the oxygen on the fire of discontent, irritation on his part, and then because of that on her part, and it just snowballs. On the other hand, we husbands have to learn. And yes, I say learn because it's not usually because the husband doesn't love you. It's because it doesn't come naturally to us as males. We have to learn how to love our wives by learning how does she feel loved. Those are not the same. Men do loving things a lot, and women interpret them not as love. I knew I'd get a response. 
Because the way that we feel loved is not the way she feels love. Welcome to God's gorgeous plan of sanctification for believers. So she needs to study her husband and to learn that he's just not another woman who happens to be hairy in a few different body parts, but that he is a very different kind of human being. Oh, the lack of wisdom in this society now on that issue. See, for a husband and a wife who who really deep down are committed to one another and they want to be happy, this difference in each one's makeup can cause horrible discord. A lot of pain and misunderstanding in their marriages. And it will lead to a lack of loving her appropriately on his part. And it will lead to a disrespecting attitude and comments on her part. You marry long enough, there's usually a time in most marriages where a wife will say, I don't feel love. By you. And he will feel from the deepest recesses of his soul disrespected by that. And of all the three and a half billion women in the world, there's one main one that is constantly on my mind that I have responsibility for and to protect and to provide because I love you. And she says, I don't feel loved. When we don't learn the other sex that we happen to be married to, we so easily project our little world our disposition as a male or as a female onto the woman or onto the man and thus judge them negatively, causing more hardness of heart, more emotional distance within the marriage. So, for example, I'm convinced of this. And I'm going to get to this in a, in a moment. My wife and I have learned a lot of things together over the last five years. And one is huge. I had to start to tell me, is this true? We would read books. We'd listen to that. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. And she would do this. Yes, that's totally true about who I am as a man. And it's so helpful. But at the core, one thing I have learned is that women need in their marriages, to feel loved by their husband. And when she's not feeling it, she needs to change him. Right? You know the old jokes, right? The guy gets married. I hope she never changes. She gets married. I can change him. I'll work on him. All right. But why does she need to change it? Because to feel love means she feels protected. She feels he's going to keep those things that are dangerous to me and to the family and to the children. She, he's there to, to, to ward them off. Cares about my emotional well-being and physical well-being. And when she's not feeling love, she's not feeling that. Therefore, there's a desperateness within women. I mean, I've learned about and I, now, that there's a kind of fear that we men cannot re- relate to. I was shocked to learn how much women, if they're out walking in the mall or down the street without anybody, the kind of fears that they just have physically is shocking. Because most normal men, we just don't. So, when she's not feeling loved, she's got to fix it. She's got to change him. So that she can get the security of feeling loved by him that she so desperately needs. 
And you add to that that women, by nature, they know how to change people. They know how to motivate others to change. Well, actually, you know what? That's not really totally true. They know how to motivate other women to change. They've been doing it all their lives with one another. And it works. It's through criticism. Comments. Sue, I don't think that I don't think that blouse really works on you. Sue will never wear that blouse again. Is that true at all, women? She won't. I don't know about that hairdo. Gosh, she's got to figure out how to change it now. They respond to outside criticism of, of wanting to please. They're just talking about differences here. Okay, so her husband, who is just another woman who happens to have different body parts and is very hairy and a little bit larger, he comes home and day after day, the grass is getting higher and higher and it hasn't been edged and, you know, family's coming over in a week and a half and, you know, that grass isn't going to cut itself, baby. And then the next day, you know, you know, Mike, you know, three doors over, he mows his lawn once a week. You know, people can start thinking you are lazy. And she, ready for him to do what every, well, she doesn't add this, she doesn't, every woman does, responds to that criticism. But he doesn't. And thus, he must not love me. Because I would certainly do that for my friends or for him. I love him, really. I respond to criticism. So let me make a comment. Here, these are large generalities we're talking about. Women, of course, he doesn't respond based upon criticism. He's not a woman. He's not motivated by that. Here's your key. He's motivated by honor. And he's motivated by being worthy of your respect. See, at the core, forget about sociopaths, basically good men. At the core of his being, if he married you, he lives to protect you and to provide for you. And at the core, to protect and provide for your Happiness. There is a reason we have a saying. Happy wife, happy life. Okay, men are going to either give me a nod or not. Because I try to tell this is, I, th- Why is it when our wives aren't happy? Oh my gosh, my life's not happy. It's not merely because if she's very moody, that's not really nice to be around. At the core of it, we feel responsible. What am I doing wrong? He lives for your happiness. So, if the woman wants the lawn mode, if she really wants to tap into that, and she did tap into that, it's a very different way in a very different language than criticism. And that is, honey, there's like a week and a half. I know that. And I'm you, you know, this, this is just helpful. I'm... I'm Okay, we're just going to talk about reality. Here's what we're doing. This is helpful. And you know, I know you work hard. And gosh, I, I so appreciate this about you and that. And we do have a week and a half. But can I tell you, then when it comes to, to, to that lawn before we have the family over in a week and a half, I'm gonna, that would bring me so much happiness. That's just a difference in words. That lawn will get mowed. It'll get mowed. Got a week and a half to figure it out, and he knows. I can provide happiness for you? That's his language. And he'll do it. It is an acknowledgement of his disposition to provide for his wife. His honor, when you put it that way, his honor is at stake. If he just snipe, 
criticized. His honor's not at stake whatsoever. It's just disrespected, and it shuts him down. You reach for, here's what you live for, to make me happy. This will do it. Okay, women, teaching you. You got him. You got him. In general, yes, he'll sin, will be so, but in the long run, good man wants to repent. You got him. He'll move because you respected his integrity to care for and to look out for you. See, two people who are really committed to each other, who care about each other, we easily fall into the vicious, vicious cycle of him, of me, not showing love for her. And thus, for her, not responding in the way that we would need, but the opposite. Responding with disrespect. And then that, in turn, causes us husbands to feel less tender and lovey-dovey toward our wife. And we can go on and on. And it's a vicious, vicious circle. At the core... The key to break out of this circle is for her to feel. I'm using that word on purpose. And could we husbands have to hear that word? For her to feel loved and cherished. And the second half of that equation is wives, for him to feel that his honor is respected. Now, a book, I guess it's been up for 15 years, four weeks ago, we had a, our friend Chris Damsgaard at Home Group and mentioned it while we were talking about marriage from Minnesota while he was visiting. Okay, picked it up and I read the book. And it was almost everything my wife and I had been learning over the last five years. And I am pushing this book upon you. Okay, all right. But a quote from Dr. Egerich. The wife is the one who asks me, when he does counseling, does my husband love me as much as I love him? She knows she loves him, but she wonders at times if he loves her nearly as much so, when he comes across as unloving, she typically reacts in a negative way. In her opinion, he needs to change into a more sensitive and caring man. Unfortunately, a wife's usual approach is to complain and criticize in order to motivate her husband to become more loving. It never works. On the other hand, a husband does not commonly ask, does my wife love me as much as I love her? Why not? Because he is assured of her love. I often ask husbands, does your wife love you? They reply, yes, of course. But then I ask, does she like you? And the answer usually comes back, nope. In many cases, the, wife, the wife's dislike is interpreted by the husband as disrespect and even contempt. In his opinion, she has changed from being the admiring, ever-approving woman she was when they courted. Now, she doesn't approve. And she's letting him know it. So the husband decides he will motivate his wife to become more respectful by acting in unloving ways. It never works. End quote. So, now, let me give you an example of how misinterpreting one another caused me and Sonia to become hardened and hurt and distanced from each other. 
And we fell into this unhealthy merry-go-round of her feeling unloved and of me feeling disrespected and unappreciated until our eyes were opened to what was happening. See, we had this revelation about five years ago. We had two cars. One of our cars died and went to the graveyard, just like that. And so, we were down to one car that sits five people in a family of eight. And she would say to me, Honey, you know, we need to get another van. To which I would respond, We can't do that right now. Period. Come up again. I'm like, why does she keep doing that? She thinks, I'm not not an idiot. I know it would be much easier to have another vehicle. We can't do that right now. She felt unloved and vulnerable. And that caused her to feel insecure and distanced from me. Which, of course, in marriages, married men, we know this, it becomes obvious in her interactions with us, and it was with me, which does something into husbands' hearts. They shrivel up. They shrink. They feel insufficient. They feel disrespected. That's what happens when we feel the disappointment from our wives. And that causes her then because you can see it in us, to respond more to our lack of tenderness, to other comments that are cutting. Which, of course, puts gasoline on the fuel of our feeling disrespected, and around and around it goes. So, this is where the light turned on, and it, and it has really helped and put Sonia in me on a new road of, at the core of it, discovery of each other. Particularly, yes, as a female, as a male, but then as Sonia the female is Joe the male. But the male and female thing has become huge to try to understand of each other and thus love each other and respect each other better. So at the core, it would be like for her, she can either nod or close her eyes, or, but it is for her to learn to think, maybe, just maybe, Joe was not from a motivation of a lack of love in making that decision or saying that or answering my question that way. Maybe... His motivation, his method and all that could be... But maybe at the core, his motivation is respectable. Maybe it is from a desire to protect and care for and love me. And then on the other hand, the huge thing that I am learning and will constantly need to learn is that She needs me to clarify. She needs me to explain why I'm doing something or why I won't do something. Now, here's the kicker. Most women would probably think, yes, why not? You have no idea, for many of us men, how difficult that is for this reason. Many of the things that we are finding out, I'm finding out I need to actually clarify and unfold, they're obvious to me. And when men feel something is just obvious, it feels silly explaining the obvious. But it's not necessarily obvious to my wife. Therefore, I need to expend, as an energy-saving person, a man, I need to expend the energy and explain my thinking and reasoning behind it. Because love considers the other person. 
It considers my wife. She's not me. It might not be obvious. So much so that on my smartphone, one of the things that pops up regularly on my calendar is to remind me, you need to explain, not just give answers. Short little one sentences. But you got, I have to because I, as much, I'm, I'm talking about it now. Here I am, behind the pulpit on a Sunday morning talking about it. But I have to constantly be reminded. It doesn't come naturally. So, let's go back to the light turning on for us. Here we were then, back then, five years ago. We're sitting and we're talking. And she opened up to me. And she told me how she felt unloved by me. Because if I loved her, and this makes sense, right? This is what, oh, this is what's going on in her head. Because if I loved her, she would know, I would know how important getting a new vehicle was. I mean, it's hard to live with one vehicle with six children. All kinds of places to shuttle. And my life too. I mean, we had to both figure, figure this thing out. But I, I would do that. And thus, as those weeks were going by and she'd make those comments, we know we never do. We can't do that. Period. End of issue. But when she said, I feel unloved. Here I am. And I'm just, I use it because I think I'm a standard man. I was shocked and I was offended because my answer, no, we cannot get a vehicle right now, was because of my love for her. It was because of my protection for her. Because I, like many basically good men, we try to ward off the enemy of our families. We try to protect them from, for example, the destructive enemy of financial collapse that would destroy our families or wives. So when she would ask me that question at that time, in our savings account, in our budget, that we would barely make it from month to month in we had approximately, above the monthly budget, I would say about zero dollars to purchase a vehicle or to add any kind of a monthly debt. So the answer to me was obvious. But of course, I don't explain it. I don't talk about it. I become more hardened toward her. She become more snappy toward me. So you look back, what's happened? Here she was. She asked the question with words, numbers of times. You know, we need a van, right? We've got to have a van. Another, I, your wife, this is really hard. This would be really important to me. I need a van. Okay, those are the words. But you know the cartoons where they have little bubble coming out of the head? Okay, this will tell you what, what, what she's really asking in her head is, do you love me? To which I respond, as a male, dumb, in a non-loving way, insensitive to what she would need for, in the way I would answer it. My answer to your question is no. We can't do that. She's asking at the core, do you love me? And so she hears, he doesn't care about me. He doesn't love me. All right, let's turn it around now. And go to this head. You know, we, 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 we got to get another vehicle. Okay. Here's the question that you would see in a little bubble in my head. This is the question she's really asking me. Honey, do you mind if every night you leave the doors 
and just pretend we live up in the wilderness, okay? Leave the doors and all the windows wide open at night as we go to bed so that wild beasts can come into our house and devour me and the children? No. I'm not going to do that. With no explanation. Why should I explain? It feels silly. Not nice and good. It gets really bloody if you get devoured by wild beasts. I mean, I can explain. Okay. We're speaking different languages. And so you let the cycle of her feeling unloved and then the cycle of his feeling disrespected snowball until we wake up to what's happening and put a stop to it. Now, let me give you another quote from from Egerich. He writes, I saw why it is so hard to love and respect. When a husband feels disrespected, it is especially hard to love his wife. When a wife feels unloved, it is especially hard to respect her husband. When a husband feels disrespected, he has a natural tendency to react in ways that feel unloving toward his wife. He says, perhaps the command in Ephesians 5.33 for husbands to love your wives was given to him precisely because of this reason. Or when a wife feels unloved, she has a natural tendency to react in ways that feel disrespectful to her husband. Perhaps the command to respect was given to her precisely for this reason. Without love, she reacts without respect. Without respect, he reacts Without love, ad nauseum, thus was born the crazy cycle. Around and around we go. So, let me just give this exhortation then. From Ephesians 5.33, husbands, love your wives. As you love your own self, love her that way. And thus, use the energy to tell her how you feel and to communicate with more words the reasons you do or don't do things. It is loving to her. Wives, don't assume the worst about your husband. Assume as much as you cannot fathom it. There probably is a good reason for what he just did or what he said. So sit down with him and ask him. You might be surprised and that he has four paragraphs of reasons that drove him to that act that so irritated you. And so even if he's wrong, which we do many, many dumb and wrong things, and we need our wives to help us, but even if he's wrong, his motivation may not have been wrong. It may have been noble and thus worthy of your respect. So this journey of seeking to love each other better in our marriage, it has borne a lot of sweet fruit. I think so. Is that a yes? Okay, wow. I did not pay her to say that. For me to constantly remind myself, seek her happiness today in ways she feels it. That's the key. Court her today. Die to selfishness 
and ask her, how would you feel loved? And then give it to her. And if you do that for your body, it is amazing how much more happy in the long run you'll be when you take care of your body. And I have found that to look not merely to the next few minutes or hours, but the long-term happiness of my wife is so much of my happiness as a married man to her. And for Sonia, in all of this, for her to be learning and have learned to understand the power that her communicating through my language of respecting me. And see, this is it. This is what has helped her and she is wonderful. How that unlocks for me my joy to serve her even more. So, let me boil it down. You want to be happier? Lay down your life. Husbands. Want to be happier? Don't be quick, women. Deep down, unless he's a sociopath, there's something to respect in there. Find it and communicate it to him. See, God's idea of complementarity. He created two sexes. And they are distinct. And they are to fit together as they come together in marriage is what we're seeing here. But that idea of God's plan of complementarity between the man and the woman can be really painful. When we're selfish and we remain ignorant to the differences between a woman and a man, a female and a male, a wife and a husband. But when we lay down our sinful selfishness and we seek to know that foreign creature to whom we are married and start to learn more today than I did yesterday and start to learn to speak her language, and start to speak His language, and then seek to outdo one another in love and in respect, then God's idea of complementarity may be experienced as beautiful and joyful as it has been intended. And so I'm going to close with a quote. From uh, Dr. Emerson Egerich. I think this is the last book on the table, but Amazon, you just go click, click, it'll be there in a couple days. Titled Love and Respect, subtitled The Love She Most Desires, The Respect He Desperately Needs. And we are seriously contemplating having a marriage group probably once a month working through these basic foundational truths which anytime we want to grow in our marriages is really, really helpful. But let me, let me close with this quote. And, I, and I'm, I want to quote this because if you're listening carefully, this is a very bold statement that he's making. I have come to this conclusion a few years ago. And so when I read, I just, I, I, he just, I just know that I'm going to make the bold statement with him. It is really at the core where everything is going to flow out. Quote, The insight that I finally recognized in Scripture and which I later confirmed from reading scientific literature, it explained why Sarah and I would get into arguments. I finally saw very clearly why Sarah, his wife, could be crushed by my words and actions, just as my mom had been crushed by my dad. And Sarah could say things that would send me through the roof. 
just as my mom had said things that would send my dad through the roof. Paul is clearly saying in Ephesians 5.33 that wives need love and husbands need respect. As I started sharing this in messages and later in seminars and conferences, I would often run into people who would say something like, this love and respect connection sounds good, Emerson, but isn't it a little theoretical? I mean, we have real problems. Money problems. Sex problems. How to raise the kids. As I will show throughout this book, the love and respect connection is the key to any problem in a marriage. This is not just a nice little theory to which I add a few Bible verses. How the need for love and the need for respect play off of one another in a marriage has everything to do with the kind of marriage you will have. Let's pray. Father, we are carved into the palm of Your hand if we belong to You. If any doesn't belong to You this morning, we beg of You through the wonderful Gospel, through the wonderful blood and the work of Christ bearing your wrath against us, that they would see it and love what they see and find themselves saved by grace, grace alone. And now, Father, for those of us in our marriages and those who will be married, may we work out this parable of the Gospel of Christ's love for the church and the church's happy submission to Christ in our marriages by allowing You to sanctify us as men and as women, to seek out the stranger to whom we're married, to understand the foreign creature, in order that we can love better. Oh, may women know that at the core of love their husbands feel is their respect. And may we men know how better to cause our wives to feel loved, cared for, nurtured, and protected. Do it, Father, by the power of the Spirit, the Word of Your grace, and the Holy Scripture in our marriages and lives. Amen.